Blog Talk Radio. I have an emergency. What is your location? Yes, there is. Good evening. Hey, let's pray. Father God, we declare that you are God, that your will be done in and through us this day, this night, on this earth, even as it's being done and declared in heaven. I pray, Father God, that you give us tonight eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to receive the revelation of your love, your truth, and your instruction. Father God, we just ask that you'd give us your heart to know what's the urgency of this hour that we live in, Lord, that we would no longer uh, be willing to live in the dark because you've called us into the light. I thank you, Lord, for the divine protection that you've given us, Lord God, through the, this journey on this earth, that you have kept us and covered us and protected us, even in times when we didn't believe it, when we didn't feel it, but you were always there. And I pray, God, tonight that even as you've given us power over all the power of the enemy, that tonight you'd stir up our souls that we would realize that there is a war going on for not only our soul, but the souls of all mankind. And I thank you, Lord, that you show us serious and urgent this is. I thank you, Father God, for giving us power over all the power of the enemy, and nothing, that nothing shall by any means hurt us. Lord God, to trample on serpents and scorpions, even as you said, and that no weapon formed against us will prosper. Lord God, we ask that no word said, no deed done, no action taken by the enemy against us or our families will be able to bring forth any shame, trouble. He will not prosper to take us out, Lord God, but that rather you'd bless us, even as you did the children of Israel in Egypt. They multiplied, they they were blessed, they prospered, Lord, under your protection, even in persecution. And so, Father God, tonight I pray that you would give us a heart to understand what you're doing in these days. In Jesus' name, Father, and may I speak as the oracles of God, and may the enemy not snatch anything from our minds that you want to speak tonight. Amen. Well, I want to welcome you again to Rescue Radio, and it is time to start doing a little rescuing. Um, tonight, we're going to be talking about setting captives free, um, actually doing what Jesus told us to do in the first place. Um, he said in Matthew, he said um, very clearly, he said in chapter 10, and it says, And you go and preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. This is the instruction he gave in Matthew 10, verse 7 and 8, that we are to go and preach the gospel. And I think we've tried to do that but it doesn't work or look like it's working very well because we've kind of settled in at some level of casual apathy in our churches that have become looking more like social clubs and uh, nice good old boys clubs, you know, just nice people. And we're not really taking this thing to the level of war that God wants us to take it to. Tonight, if you have any comments or you want to talk to me about this and Something, you've got something to say, call us at uh, 347-215-8051. I had never thought of it this before, but I heard this guy who's preaching. By the way, if you want to, want to stir up your world, I mean stir it up, 
uh, tune in to or go on the Internet and check out Sky Watch TV with Tom Horn. It'll rattle your cage. Sky Watch, W-A-T-C-H, TV with Tom Horn. Anyway, uh, Michael Lake was on there, and he was talking about the two views of history. And um, he said there's two views. One is the conspiracy view viewpoint, and the other is the accidental viewpoint of history. And accidental is, of course, that casual viewpoint that it is what it is, and it's no big deal, and nothing's going to change because nothing ever changes, and it's you just have to make the best of it, get through it. And the whole goal of accidental is basically nothing. You don't have to do much. You don't have to give account to anybody for anything because you're just an accident anyway. That's the premise of evolution, but that's really slipped into the church. Uh, we're very casual, complacent, even when it comes to helping other people, uh, and for sure when it comes to casting out demons or setting captives free. I mean, that is like, tch, you just don't even want to think about that. Um, and we're, we're kind of cold-hearted. It said in the last days that one of the signs of the end times would be lawlessness. It said that the love of many would grow cold. In other words, we're pulling back, isolating, cocooning, living in our own little world, making no eye contact, um, ordering all of our goods on the Internet, having the dominoes drop off the pizza at our doorstep. And so we're just not getting out there. We don't want to. We Actually, we really don't like it out there that much, um, except for a few people maybe who are addicted to shopping or something that like to do all that. So, but anyway, for the most part, we just want to be left alone. And don't bother me. Don't Don't bug me. And I surely don't want to know your problems. But going back to the accidental versus conspiracy views of history, the only biblical view of history is conspiracy. And that it means that from the very beginning, there was a war going on between God and Satan for the souls of men called spiritual warfare. And that really uh, hit the, I mean, there's a lot of indications in the Bible that this war began um, the minute that Lucifer died of heaven, it began. We know about that in Revelations where it said Michael, the archangel, um, cast Lucifer out of heaven, I'm sure, under the command of the Most High God. And Lucifer, of course, took a third of the angels with him. And uh, several of those, several hundred of those angels began to uh, um, look at the earth that God had created basically after they blew it up. Um, and God had created Adam and Eve, man and woman. He had restored, replenished the earth, filled it up. Six days it took him to create all this stuff. And, and Lucifer was extremely covetous, jealous, hateful, despised the man and the woman because of all the creation. Only the man and the woman were made in the image of God. The rest were not. And so uh, Lucifer, now Satan, uh, hated them and decided he would, you know, hold of the planet, that he would wage a war, and that he would rule. He would gain access to the human beings, and he would rule the world. This was going to be his domain. He didn't like being banished to wherever, uh, but he liked the terrain. He liked the topography. He thought, there's a lot about Earth I could work with. And so he took the form of a talking serpent and began to deceive Eve. And as we know, the rule in the war between God and Satan is one rule. And the rule is this, whom you listen to, that's whose servant you become. Jesus said it this way, he who commits sin is the slave of sin. And so when Eve listened and um, was beguiled, bewitched, deceived, whatever, 
uh, tricked by Satan, she chose to eat of the forbidden fruit. Now, the, the choice, Satan would say, well, you chose, therefore it's your fault. But she said, no, no, no. She told God that the serpent deceived me. And you need to recognize that for your own life. The devil is making you feel guilty and bad because you made a bad choice. Well, did you wake up this morning saying, I want to make a bad choice? I just really want to ruin my life today. I just want to go uh, get hammered, get drunk, get stoned. I just want to do something really up today. I want to just destroy my life little by little or all of, all of a sudden. I just want to, no, you didn't. Why didn't you? Why don't you like sin in the first place? Well, because number one, you're not built by God to like sin. Because you're built by God to love righteousness and truth and goodness. That's your first and that's your divine nature, your first nature made in the image of God. And so when when we make a choice and it does it's your fault, you, you did it, you need to go back and say, you know what, you tricked me, devil. Just like Eve did, the, the serpent tricked me. The, the serpent deceived me. And you know, she had it right. She didn't deny that she'd done something. something. You, you don't lie and say, oh, I didn't do it, I didn't do it. Yes, she probably did do it. And now you're trying to figure out, well, how do I get free from this guilt? Because guilt is going to bring a bunch of his friends in and make you feel bad for sinning and bring a demonic judgment upon your life that he's going to help you attribute to God and make God look bad and mad at you while you're feeling sad and separated. It's just kind of a treacherous, tricky very, it's like playing a game, and this this move works so well. You know how some basketball teams they have their certain moves, and they just work them over and over and over, and they just work, work, work. Now, this is one of the devil's moves, and it works like a charm. But going back to this conspiracy theory, if, and we believe that this conspiracy started in the beginning when Satan envied, became jealous of uh, Earth, mankind, and began to corrupt creation. Uh, the minute that we sinned, it was all turned upside down and inside out. Everything began to groan and travail. The animals began to eat each other. There was bloodshed. There, and since that, that day, there has never, ever been a day on this planet without bloodshed, really. Um, I don't think since the beginning. Either some animals dying or some person or persons or groups of people are dying. So conspiracy is really the biblical theory. And so you have to understand that. You really have to understand that in order to take on this idea that we are in a war. There is a spiritual war going on for your souls. And it is a, it is a deadly war. The, the stakes are high. They're the, the, the eternal destinies of human beings. So much of this is not reached in the church. I don't know what they're reaching in the church. It's just, it's mediocre. It's like eating oatmeal every day without any sugar and sprinkled with gravel. There's just nothing helpful about it. It's just, de- it's demeaning. And after a while, people get sick of it. It's just boring. It's just like, what's the point? You need to have a purpose for your life. And the purpose really is uh, to be part of the victory, to be part of oh, the faith that overcomes the world. And that means you're going to get into the battle. You can't avoid the battle. If you've avoided the battle, you've already been deceived by the devil to think that there's no such thing. And so, you know, I've been working with a lot of people. I've done that almost for the last, what, 25, 30 years. And a lot of people need deliverance, and everybody gets all scared when you talk about demons and deliverance because they really don't know what we're talking about. Basically, what we're talking about is people believing lies. That's about as simple as it gets. They believe a lie that the liar tells them, and when you believe the lie, the liar comes into your life, into your soul, sets up a stronghold, and begins to bind you, corrupt you, uh, restrict you, uh, cause you to become uh, ineffective, depletes you, steals your gifts, your talents, your time, your strength, your health, 
and your children and everything else about you. I mean, he just he has he doesn't stop. There's no stopping. He isn't ever satisfied. He's never got enough of destruction. So you're going to either believe what the scripture said, and if you look at the scripture, and I I don't need to prove my point. My point is God's point, and it is the point that when you look at the scripture, look at what Jesus himself did. He, he was just, you know, walking, minding his own business, helping people, you know, feeding them, healing them. But a third of his ministry was dealing with the devil head on. And those demons were inside of people, and they were demonic entities. They were spirits without bodies. They were evil spirits that were um, coming in to control the person to the point where when Paul got into Romans chapter 7, he says, I am doing things I don't want to do. Now, I know some of you have heard me talk about this before, and some of you have heard me say this about 17 times or maybe 200 times. And then finally about the 204th time, you say, oh, wait, I get it. I get it. Revelation. Okay, people, it's time to get it the first or second time. I don't have I don't have enough time to tell everybody 200 times what the Bible already can tell you once. You must start reading the Bible for what it says. Take off your Methodist glasses, your Lutheran glasses, your evangelical glasses, your purpose-driven glasses. Take them off and start looking at what the Bible says. And you don't have to race. It's not a speed reading course. You take it slow, digest it, and look at what it says. Because God has given us a lot of instructions, even in the Old Testament, he's already starting to say things like um, Isaiah, chapter 42. You can look at it later if you like. He says in, in chapter 42, um, ah, let's see. I'm going to start with verse 6, and then I'm going to jump over to verse 21 and 2. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you a cov- as, a, as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the prisons, those who sit in darkness from the prison houses. I am the Lord, that is my name. Now we know that job was given to Jesus, but Jesus has also included us and passed that job on to us. In verse 21 he says, um, let's see, the Lord is well pleased for his righteousness sake. He will magnify the law and make holy or honorable. But this is a people robbed and plundered. All of our sin holes, they are hidden in prison houses. They are for prey, and no one delivers. They are for plunder, and no one says restore. We're getting so used to it now. Uh, young people committing suicide, you know, just on a, almost on a whim, almost weekly. You hear of somebody who's died too young, committed suicide, got cancer, uh, a marriage that you thought was wonderful. It just turned all bad. Um, kids eating the wrong food, hating their parents. Um, you know, infections, uh, plagues, epidemics, uh, people getting their head chopped off over in other countries. And you think, oh, yeah, well, as long as it's over there, as long as it's not me or mine, then I'm okay. You know what? I am so sorry to tell you that this is spreading everywhere and there's no place to hide, no place to hide. So you might as well get in the fight and get your boots on. Get out there and do what God has called you to do. Stand in the gap. Be a, a, a at least be um, a beacon for light and help and hope. And in Isaiah chapter sixty-one, um, Jesus he actually quoted this passage when he started his ministry. So Jesus' ministry, his mission statement, if you will, goes something like this. And he said his he gave it in Luke chapter four verse eighteen. But here we are in Isaiah sixty-one. 
verse 1, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Is it upon you? Is it in you? Is it stirring you up? I hope tonight it provokes you. I just hope you can't sit there anymore and just be a mediocre, nice, lukewarm Christian because God's going to spit you out of his mouth. We don't have a lot of time left, people, seriously. I don't know what you think you're going to do. You're definitely not probably going to get to retire and take a cruise around the world and veg out somewhere. You're going to have to get in the fight, and that's the only way you're going to stay young anyway is get in the fight for God. All right, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me, anointed you. He's called, anointed, set apart, given you extra special power, grace by His Spirit to preach good tidings to the poor. Do you know anybody? You've preached good tidings too lately. Have you led anybody to Jesus? Do you know how to do that? Okay, let's just think about. Do you know? Yeah, it's so complicated, so tangled up. So, you know, leading somebody to Jesus is as simple as asking two questions, maybe three. First question: Do you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross? Yes or no? They say yes. Then you say, Do you believe that He rose again? Yes or no? And if they say yes, they say, do you believe that he's coming back? Yes or no? They'll say yes. They say, now, have you ever called upon the name of the Lord? And they'll say, well, yeah. But you asked them, you asked them five seconds ago if they were saved. They said, oh, I don't know. I don't know what that means. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that you believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, rose from the dead, you are saved. Feelings or no feelings. So, can you ask those three questions? I mean, people are just tangled up trying to figure out how to lead somebody to Jesus. It's, uh, it's simple. The Holy Spirit does the work. You ask the question, can you do that? You know, once you do that, and you don't have to, you know, it's not about based on a, a certain kind of prayer or leading them in a prayer. It might work that way sometimes. Sometimes nobody's around praying nothing, and the Holy Spirit just reveals himself to the person. But it's important that we know how to lead somebody to Jesus. Don't wait for the pastor to come or don't wait for the prayer warrior to show up. And the same with casting out demons and delivering people. Um, there are too many people with too many demons for one or two people like me to do it all. I surely can't do it. And I'm not trying to put a big feather in my cap about all this. I'm just saying there's a lot of work to do. And what are you doing? What are you doing that's going to make any difference five years from now, really? Seriously. What about 25 years? What about how are you going to be alive in 25 years? Do you know Jesus is coming back very soon, very soon? I mean, the world cannot sustain another 25 years going at this rate. I promise you. I promise you. They're, they're messing with our genes, our genetic uh, reengineering, uh, mixing us with animals, um, uh, trying to splice our genetics, um, you know, make us super bionic, superhuman, uh, you know, yeah, interlacing us with computer parts, chips, uh, bionic, whatever. Do you know that the Bible said, Jesus said this, he says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. Do you know what they were doing in the days of Noah? The same thing. They were crossing, they didn't just, were, we're not just hybridizing, they were crossing kinds. Very, very obviously there were the chimeras, the half animal, half human freaks and and dinosaurs that were deadly and all kinds of things they were doing things that were going bad like a like a Frankenstein all all over the place and God had to wipe it out 
He just had to kill it. He just said, this can't go on. It'll kill my people. And you see, that's why you think God is so mean and flood was so horrible. God was actually saving his children from the want, the giants and these, these messy experiments that were eating them, killing them. Now, what would you do if you were a parent, huh? What would you do? All right. So going back to the urgency of keeping on with Isaiah, he says, um, preach good news to the, and to the poor. He has to heal the brokenhearted. Well, actually, how do you do that? Somebody who's been weeping and sad and lonely and desperate for years, how do you do that? How do I, how do I, how do I? You don't how do I anything. You just ask the Lord Jesus Christ to heal their broken heart. He is the, the healer of the broken hearts. He does stuff in a split second that we couldn't do in a hundred years of counseling. It's the revelation of the truth that sets people free. And we're supposed to proclaim liberty to the captives. Now, is this, you know, the opening of prisons to those who are bound? Is this literal? Is God saying, okay, I want you to go down to the county jail and open all the doors and let all the prisoners out? No, it's not that. It's spiritual. It's a spiritual liberation. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, what does that mean? The the acceptable year of the Lord, I believe, is the year of God's justice, the year of God's coming, the day of the Lord. And it's going to be a day of vindication for us. It's a day when God will vindicate himself. I think the biggest problem the world has right now is that God is not vindicating himself. He's just letting everybody run around and do what they say and want to say and think what they want to think and call it like they want to call it and as foolish and, and feudalistic as it is, he's just letting it go. Why does God let all these bad things continue to happen? Hmm? Why do you suppose? Because he wants to or because he has to? Seriously. You mean God has to do stuff he doesn't want to do? Every day, every day, every day. Do you think he wanted to die on the cross? Yeah, he did for us. But do you think that he wants to see his children beaten up and eaten up and and crushed and, and destroyed and turned against him by the liar? Do you think God wants to do that? God's perfect will is not in operation at that point. That's God's permissive will because we have been given a free will and so is everybody else. And God is allowing that free will that we exercise to do what it will. And if we're not listening to God and walking in his spirit, there's only one other option. We're walking in the counsel of the evil one and actually being used by him as a useful idiot to do his work. Does that make sense? I want to stir you up tonight. I can't tell you how how urgent this thing is. It's urgent. It's not just, oh, I've got to talk to you for an hour and see what we can do here. I'm not a pep talker. I'm not a cheerleader. I want you to know the truth. It's your life. You have to give an account of it to God someday. What you did with it. How, how, how did you spend all your free time? What is free time? Time is, I, is not my own. I'm about the price. I'm a dead person that God saved and healed and brought back alive. So my life is his. What does it do with it? To comfort those who mourn. Oh, backing up. The day of the vengeance of our God. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. What is going to happen when everything starts to blow up or fall apart? And people are dying suddenly, and there's not enough emergency rooms, there's not enough EMTs, there's not enough ambulances, the sirens are growing, going constantly, and they're rounding people up, and whatever they're doing, they're doing. What then, when the day of our, our God comes, when he comes with vengeance, are we supposed to be warning these people about this ahead of time? To comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, I would say that would be hope a meaning and a purpose in their life. The oil of joy for mourning. The only way there's any purpose and meaning in this mess 
is to get involved in this healing, consoling, giving hope, uh, teaching, rescuing. The oil of joy for mourning. How many people live their lives mourning? How many people are lonely, got nobody? If you got nobody, go out and find somebody to love. Give them your love. Whether it's a baked apple pie, a wave in your car on the way to work, whatever it is, that love, you can't go wrong with it. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. How many people are walking around and they're murmuring and complaining? And all that does is create the cycle for the next day. It just pushes the cycle around again. It's so bad. It's never. I'm not saying it's so bad. I'm saying it's so intense. It's so. It's such an opportunity for you right now. This is. These are the days. I think Peter and Paul would have envied to part of that thing going, and now God's laid it on us. This is the last, you know, um, few minutes of the game, and you know we're up against the wall. But we know that Christ Jesus is not up against the wall. He wants us to be conquerors with him. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, when you don't feel like it, in everything give thanks. Kick the devil right in the face tomorrow when he throws something at you and begin to thank God. Praise God. All things work together for good. In every bad thing, there's a good thing. Because both God and Satan are always working in the same place at the same time to do the opposite thing. So when something's going down, say, God, what are you doing? What the devil did, what are you doing? What do you want to do? What do you want me to know about this? That they may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And they, listen to, here's where we get into the work. And they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Our job is to begin to bring back the revelation of Jesus Christ rebuilding those old ruins, raising up the former desolations, giving hope to people. And so with that kind of an introduction, that this is a conspiracy, this is the biblical look, view, biblical view of the world. It's not a nice party place. Even though there's some pretty nice things that God has left for us, there's also a lot of desolation here. So when we're looking at setting captives free, as a matter of fact, if you want to really get the manual that I'm teaching out of, you can go to the website, liferecovery.com, and um, and we're going to give you a little look at that right now, and you can check it out um, on your on your time. Think after is free. Life Recovery offers a wide variety of books, teaching manuals, CDs, and DVDs, all designed to expose Satan's lies and equip believers with the powerful weapons of spiritual warfare. Amen. That's liferecovery.com, www.liferecovery.com. And that's probably where you're checking in to listen to Rescue Radio tonight, too. Anybody want to call in and talk to me? You're welcome. 347-215-8051. Come on. You can do it. I mean, I know you want to. Some of you are in the chat room right now. Raise your hand. Get on the phone. Give me a call. Ask me a dumb question. (laughs) No question's a dumb question, you know, except the ones that aren't asked. Okay, and I'm not saying I got all the answers. Don't let me intimidate you or anything. All right, so when you're going to work on spiritual warfare, when you're going to be part of that battle, you've got to have a foundation. You've got to know, number one, who you are in Christ. You have to know who he is and what what you know. Most of us are walking around kind of like um, sucking our thumbs, saying, I don't know, I don't know, I don't remember, I don't know. I didn't do it, I don't know. You know, we're just not engaging in our own lives it's like 
casual to the point of, of oh, aggravating. Do you really like living like that? Is that really got, I mean, the things you're trying to do to fill your life, to make yourself happy, chasing after this or that or whatever it is you might think, is that really doing it for you? Or do you have to keep doing more of it or spending more money or buying another thing or taking another vacation or it's really not working. If you really want to be honest with yourself, it's, it's selfish or it's, it's, it's just not what you're made to do. You're made for war. And that's a good war, fighting the good fight of faith, like Paul said, laying hold of eternal life. The spiritual warfare is not romantic. It's not glamorous. It's, it, but it takes courage to love. It takes courage to lay down your life. So spiritual foundations, who are you? Well, first of all, there's a lot of us have been taught wrong, even about the scripture. Um, and we think that all that we've been told is where it stops. But the truth of God is really a, a living thing. It's progressive. It doesn't mean it changes. It just means it grows. A child, for example, is four feet tall, but they're progressive. They're growing. They're dynamic. And by the time they grow to their full height, they could be up to six, two, three, four, five, whatever. And so the thing is, the truth doesn't. The child doesn't change, but the child has changed, become more mature, um, grown up, get gotten stronger, uh, aware of his world. The same with this in Colossians 2, 1 through 3. God says he wants our hearts to be encouraged, being knit together in love and attaining to all the riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Okay, what does that mean? We're being knit together in love as a church, as a body, as a remnant as the, the bride of Christ, as the army of God. Um, we have brothers and sisters all over the world that have the mind of Christ. And if you have the mind of Christ, you have the heart of Christ, then you're part of that body. He is the head. Attaining to all riches of full assurance of understanding. So it's the understanding, the assurance of understanding, knowing who we are, not hoping I'm saved, not having to wait till I die to see if for sure if I'm saved, knowing that I'm saved, and not turning to the right or to the left on that, not being tangled up in in uh, legalism or religion or certain specific uh, theologies, but going forward in the freedom of God's love, God's power, the assurance of His presence, to the knowledge of the mystery of God. Now, God is a mystery, and a lot of you have a lot of questions about God. Well, why does God do that? Why does God do that? Why did God permit that? Why doesn't God do this? Why did He? Why? 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 All these uh, mysteries of godliness. There's also mysteries of iniquity, and that's part of the secrets that God and the devil have. And, and God wants to reveal his secrets to us, and he does that through the Holy Spirit and through the reading of the Word. And you can be reading along, and all of a sudden it makes sense. Oh, wow, 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 wow. I, well, I didn't get that from the preacher. Wow, but the Holy Spirit just showed me that. Wow, that makes sense. And, you know, as these little pieces of truth fall into place, you begin to see the bigger picture. Um, you don't have to feel inferior. You don't don't feel guilty. You don't have to feel like you can't do this. That's all demonic spirits talk to you, saying, don't go there. Don't do that. You're going to get hurt. You don't know what you're doing, blah, blah, blah. But God wants us to know that the mysteries of God can be known, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So if you want to pray the best, best, best prayer, the best prayer, there's two things you need to pray. For yourself, the prayer is, Lord, have mercy on me. And Give me, show me the revelation of Jesus Christ. For other people, loose 
for them. God, I loose the revelation of Jesus Christ into their soul, into their mind, so that the the the, the their their life, their world is not just a world of flesh and tangible things, but we come into a dynamic dimension of the spiritual world. We're not just living in a three or four dimensional world, you know, time and and and, and space, you know, um, the three dimensions of space plus time is fourth fourth dimension. We're living in a spiritual dimension. Uh, uh, dimensions, actually, many, many dimensions of, uh, that are spiritually discerned. Um, and w- I believe that our, our natural world and the supernatural world are uh, they're, they're, they're up right upon each other. They're integrated. They're completely in the same place at the same time. And the thing is, we just only have senses, five senses, that give us information about the tangible world. However, the reality of the spiritual world, God wants to give you the spirit of discernment to know things that your eyes can't show you, to understand things that your your reasoning can't can't give you. God wants to show us how the demons work, how the enemy works, what is bound this person, what does God want to do, and then declare the will of God in per, in people's lives. Um, so we want a, a literal and a spiritual context because we're we're multidimensional. We have a body, we have a soul, and we have a spirit. The body is the hardware. The soul is the operating system for the body that gives that body the ability to make decisions. And the spirit is that software downloaded into us at salvation where Jesus Christ guides us through his Holy Spirit who has now come to live and dwell inside of us. The Holy Spirit is in you. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And without him, you can do nothing. That's flip sides of the same coin. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The Holy Spirit's got the answer. He knows the way. If you're struggling with what to do and don't know how to get through it, Jesus said, I'm the way. So there's one way through whatever it is you're going through. Now, so our body, soul, and spirit, and our soul is also made up of three parts. It's made up of the mind, the will, and the emotions. And, of course, I've said this before. When you use your soul to make a decision, basically that's what the soul is all about. We're going to make decisions about where we're going to go, what we're going to wear, what we're going to you know, eat, da-da-da, whatever, what kind of things we're going to pursue, you know, what we're going to measure in college, da-da-da, whatever. Mind thinks, by very virtue of thinking, it thinks, and it doesn't know for sure. The emotions feel, and you can use your heart or your mind or your um, your heart or your mind yet to make a decision. And you're going to hear your mouth say, I feel or I think. But oftentimes, like I said, you don't agree with yourself, so you don't, you say, I feel like I should, but I don't think I'm going to. And then your will says, well, I'm a little confused. What are we going to do? So you're, you have doubt in your mind, and your mind can't know anything for sure except only one thing, and that is that it can't know anything for sure. That's why we all like all these scientific, unending, irresolvable conflicts that never end because we just think that that's the way life is. But God wants you to know that there are concrete, solid answers in the spirit that you can know that you um, know what you know. So the spirit wants to restore us at all of these levels. And actually, your soul has been corrupted. Did you know that your DNA, our DNA, has been corrupted? Um, this says in the Bible, Oh, Lord, if you mark iniquities, who can stand? Okay, well, it says the sins of the fathers are visited unto the children to the third and fourth generations. God says he didn't want that. He says he wants each, each person to stand on their own merit in Ezekiel 18. But if the sins aren't dealt with, they just keep coming down, coming down like permission slips Satan has gained through agreements 
with those people that bring that pattern right down your life. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many stories. I can't even remember how many stories of how many people who've had stuff happen to their grandfathers or their great-grandfathers. It's still afflicting them today. It's just crazy. But it's real. And they're Christians. So you say, well, I thought it was all done. I thought it was under the blood. I thought, you know, we're new creatures in Christ. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Well, yeah, but you're still seated in the rush hour every once in a while, and you might be driving in the snowstorm tomorrow. Now, that's not a very heavenly place. So when you get saved, it's like you've got two realities. You've got the, the spiritual word of God, truth, where you are. You need to know that's your first reality. And then you're, you're moving about in this uh, infested world and of sin and lies and degradation and corruption. And so, but God wants us to walk through this world with the assurance of who he is. And he does that by revealing himself to us through his Holy Spirit that indwells us. Does this make sense so far? 347-215-8051. If, you, if it doesn't make sense, call me. We'll talk. It's okay. It would be nice. Um, so the scriptures want to bring healing to the body, soul, and spirit. And souls, I'm, the soul is where you've been wounded. You know, it's where you've been programmed. To believe um, I'm I'm no good, I'm hated, I'm abused, um, I'm scared, and then when you get to push to that point of isolation, fear, loneliness, anxiety, then the devil will come to you and offer you a solution to all your fear and loneliness and isolation by offering you the help of a strong man. On the other side would be called control. I, I'll take care of myself, independence. I don't need anybody. Witchcraft. So. People are bound on two sides, the fear side and the control side, the try harder, the never enough. And I want to quit, but I can't stop. We're just bound on these torture racks of the devil's making. Does this make sense to you? Think about how you're, tor- you're tormented. Two sides, two opposite sides, and you're pulled apart, sent in opposite directions looking for your life and how to get your act together. You spend all your time trying to get rid of your own sin and not feel guilty about something. What did Jesus say on the cross? Keep trying. Oh, I almost, I almost had it. Oh, but I just stayed, stayed alive another minute and died a minute later. I'd have had it all taken care of. No, he said I finished it. It is done. What does he mean? Wasted breath? No. It's finished. What's finished? Well, the battle for my sin and my soul is finished. The sin has been taken care of. Explain to me, all you that lay in heavy laden, I will give you rest. My easy, my burden is light. What is the burden most of us carry? It is the burden of our sin, our failure, our shame, our guilt, frustration, our religion, trying to get closer to God, trying harder to make God happy. What a waste of time. What a religious, demonic waste of time. Who do you suppose came up with that idea of you needed to get closer to God? The Holy Spirit? A lot of churches make you think it's works. It's not that the Holy Spirit never came up with that idea for you to get closer to God. He's inside of you. It's a devil who's trying to make you feel bad so that he can help you be good. How's that going to work for you? Come seriously. I know I've said these things before. Are you getting them? Maybe you're sick of getting them. Maybe you're going to turn me off. I don't know. <laughs> Well, somebody else will turn on and listen then. It doesn't matter. I'm going to say it and you're going to hear it or you're going to get mad at me and turn it off. I don't really care. I care that you know that you have the truth. God says you're free. 
whom the sun sets free is free, not is going to be free. The devil tells you you're going to be free. You're going to be free. You're going to be free. Jesus said you are free. Well, which one are you going to believe, the devil who lies or Jesus who doesn't lie? It's really not a based on your feelings. I know the devil will play with your feelings all day long and make you feel stupid, sad, sick, rejected, like a failure, like an idiot. Who's telling you that? And where did you first listen to him? Where did you first believe that? Ask Jesus Christ to go back with you to that memory where you signed that contract, knowingly or unknowingly coming into agreement with that lie. And let Jesus Christ, who was there as the faithful witness, show you what really happened. Lord Jesus, show me what really happened. Take me back to the original place where I first got got a a panic attack. Take me back to the original place where I first uh, became allergic to tomatoes. Or take me back to the original place where I first, um, you know, you know, felt like I could never accomplish anything or where I gave up on my life or I got all tangled up with trying to be good. Take me back to the original place. And he will. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. So you understand how this whole battle system works. And then we understand that the soul has been programmed. There's a lot of materials you can look at, CDs we've got and everything. But, but, but Timothy says, uh, actually, let's go to, Thessalonians verse 5.23, as we are confirming the word of God that we are a three-part being, because a lot of people think we're a two-part being, the Holy Spirit wants to heal us at all three levels. And it says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thessalonians 5.23. So he's talking about preserving the whole man, the whole person, the body, the soul, the spirit. And so God wants to, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So God wants to reprogram our souls, that part of us that's been programmed with the lies, through the word. As you believe the word, as you believe the truth, the lie is deleted. The lie has lost its power. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So truth equals freedom. Freedom from what? Fear. Freedom from anxiety, fear, freedom from guilt, freedom from the bondage of any kind, freedom from an abusive relationship. You don't have to be in that just because that's where you got pulled into the mud puddle. doesn't mean you've got to stay there. So it says um, in, in 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's, it's given, it's not um, negotiable. It's not, you know... Um, errant, full of errors. It's inerrant. It's not a mistake. Those things that God says are given to us are profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. We talked about correction a couple of weeks ago and reproof, how people don't like to be corrected. Um, And it's really hard to correct anybody because it it hurts their feelings, um, their egos, whatever, whatever, because people are not very humble anymore because humble is equated with weak and stupid and But the Bible says that God um, is broken in the contrite spirit. Those who are humbling those before God are the ones that are going to be great in his sight. But you can't do that to yourself. You can't even perfect that which concerns you. Only God can do that. And so that's his job. So you and I follow Jesus. That's what he said to do. Follow me. And God will take care of the rest. He'll perfect you. He'll allow the, the trials and persecutions of your of your life to refine your faith bringing forth this pure gold, this process is his process. He is the potter. You are the clay. We are the clay. You know, he, he makes a vessel on the wheel, 
And as he's trying, he's working to make this vessel of you or I, the devil comes and tries to poke and slam and prod and jab and mess up the vessel. But God just keeps working, working, working. He works all that pain and all that dysfunction and all that corruption, all that rotten stuff the devil does to you. God works it right into the design because he's good. Amen? He's good. And so we're looking at what God can do for us, what he will do for us, what he has done for us. So it's given to us the scripture for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped to every good work. Well, what are the good works that God's expecting us to do? Obviously, cast out demons, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, preach the gospel. We are seated with Christ, like I said, in the heavenly places, though we may still be experiencing some setbacks and opposition. And the more you love Jesus, the more the natural world will oppose you. Does that make sense? They don't like us. Why? Because we tell the truth. But he says in First John 5, 4, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Jesus said, he says, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. John 10, 10. Yet some of us would say, well, where is my abundant life? Many believers are as oppressed, depressed, drugged up, overrun as non-believers. As a matter of fact, probably worse because the devil picks on us more than them because he figures they're already sleeping, just leave them lay. So we suffer from the effects of sin, sins that have been committed not only by us but against us, sins that have been committed against um by our parents, our great-grandparents. We're not looking to blame them. We're just saying they bought into a lie, they sinned. That brings that familiar spirit down into our life. Does that make sense? Talk to me. You can call. Anybody want to call? Raise your hand. I know you're just so excited about everything I got to say. All right, so there's a contest going on in the kingdom of God. Where is the war going on? Well, you think, yeah, there's the there's the chemtrails and there's the ISIS and there's the um, the government and there's the you know the bureaucracy and there's the Democrats and the Republicans and there's the persecution out there and blah 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 blah. Well, yeah, but where does the battle really begin? Jesus said the kingdom of God is within us. So the intensity of the war, the real war, the real conspiracy, is going on right inside of our souls, right inside of your own mind, where the devil sets you up. Even to believe that you are him and he is you. He speaks like you. He sounds like you. He impersonates you to you. He even wears your perfume. He gets you to believe that you are the evil you hate. And then what do you do when you find out you're the evil you hate? You want to kill yourself, right? Or be good, one or the other, because you weren't built by God to want to be bad. So Satan uses your motivation to hate sin to get you to be good. And you say, well, what's wrong with that? Well, have you ever tried it? Tried to be good? How long did it last? How many times have you tried it now? Where do you go? To failure, futility, can't be perfect enough, never be perfect. The perfection demon is never, ever happy. It's never, ever finally the achievement, pinnacle. There's never, it's never good enough. There's always one thing wrong, one more thing to do, one more, one. You drive yourself nuts trying to be perfect in a mud puddle. It's not going to happen. You're living in a snake pit, Okay. So let's look for the place where the real battle is. The battle is within. Um, it's That war between God and Satan has been pulled right down into our souls. And as we spoke earlier, God wants to rebuild the ruined cities. 
they need to be rebuilt. The old ruins, the desolations of many generations. What do you suppose he's talking about there? The, gen- the desolations, year after year, generation after generation, all this junk, bitterness, envy, um, rejection of children, whatever it is, builds up, builds up, gets more, more intense, more um, destructive. And then it brings desolation, it brings futility, it brings hopelessness. You know, we spoil our kids probably in this country more than um, any other generation has ever been spoiled before. Not that we don't like them, but you see, or on the other side, on the other side of that same coin, a lot of us take better care of our pets than others do their children. We're more concerned about our pets than the little children who have no parents. This is just all wrong backwards, upside down, not good. And so what happens is the desolation of many generations is coming down like an avalanche upon this this generation. So what are we going to do about it? Isolate, cocoon, close our eyes, or go out there and be thankful and believe God. Just believe, you, you, you need to know. I mean, if if worse comes to worse, they say, well, you should get yourself a gun. You know, know how to protect yourself, defend yourself, take a class, learn how to, you know, do self-defense, blah, 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 blah. Well, how are you going to defend yourself from a demon? Because you can't shoot them with a gun. Hmm? People, you're going to need to know how to cast out a devil before this is over, I'm sure. At least you're going to wish you knew if you don't. You've got to know your authority in Jesus Christ and not be afraid of the devil. If you put your foot down and say, no, you won't, devil, shut up, go to hell. No, you're not. No, you're not. I cancel every agreement I've made with you, spirit of fear, you spirit of anxiety, you spirit of tim- intimidation. No, you won't. I cancel out it in the name of Jesus Christ, and I declare that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now get out of here. Shut up. You don't need to reason with the devil. As a matter of fact, you don't want to talk to him much because he'll just pull you back into some stupid argument that you cannot win because he's wily. And he's very intelligent. Oh, so intelligent. And Jesus said, we're no match for the devil. That's why Jesus just said, I give you power. I'll just give you power. So the disciples, imperfect as they were, fighting, contending with each other, jealous, insecure, whatever they were, they got to cast out devils. And they were all excited about it in Luke chapter 10. They came back all excited about the devils that they could cast out. Jesus says, don't get so excited about that. Get excited about this. That your names are written in the lambs, written in heaven. In other words, that you're saved. And here, listen to this. Um, in in Luke seventeen twenty one, um, this is where it gets kind of spiritually. Nowadays, everybody's got you know they're either so lukewarm and dead in the water for Jesus that you know there's nothing going on there. It's just all religion <laughs> that's been fossilized or turned into a stone, a monument, or they're on this other end where everything is God and God is in everything and everybody and everywhere and you can be God and da-da-da. But they're saying, see, he's here, he's there. But Jesus says, no, the kingdom of God is within you. And then then they're saying, well, come over here. Matthew 24, he says again, when they say, um, you know, I'm over here, I'm over there. Jesus is here, he's in there. He's, He's at the, you know, he's at this stadium. He's at this. He says, don't believe him. Jesus said, when I come, you're going you're gonna to know it. You don't have to go chasing around. He's within us. He's right inside of us. And so that deception of that super spiritual, um, you know, the devil can do that too. He can make everything look just like Jesus. 
He can look like Jesus. He's called an antichrist, a false Jesus. He said, well, how do I know the difference? Only by the Spirit of God and knowing Jesus Christ, really knowing who he is, what he would do, how he would handle a situation. Only then can you know what you know. Now, how does the devil get into people? Let's answer that question. Um, well, there are three ways. Basically, the Bible says um, the world, the flesh, and the, and the devil. And so Satan gets in by sins that were committed against us, like, for example, abuse. That would be the world. The world mistreats you. The world uh, betrays you. The world is um, unfair, unjust. They rip you off. Um, they're hateful. They abuse the way the, that's sin. They get sinned against, we're being sinned against. Um, that's one of the ways the devil gets inside. So he stirs up within you a hatred and unforgiveness, a bitterness against others or against yourself. Um, you're beginning to believe lies about yourself, like I'm no good, I'm not as good as, um, I, I'm not happy with who I am. You know, if you're not happy with who you are and or you don't like the way God created you, you know, that is a, is a sin of rejection. You're rejecting your, yourself and you're rejecting God's decision in making you a human being, making you male or female. By the way, that's the way he made him, either male or female. And that's our identity, our basic core concept, first building block of your identity is your sexuality and who you are. So there's a sin that's committed against us by the world. Then there are the personal practices of sin, which we call the flesh. Now, the the, the flesh, the world of flesh and the devil, that, that word flesh really indicates the soul as it's in connection with the body. Because when you disconnect the soul from the body, you have a corpse and your soul dies. Or go, I mean, it doesn't die, die, actually. It goes somewhere else, but your body dies. And so the flesh is weak. God, we're fearfully and wonderfully made, the Bible says, but in my flesh dwells no good thing. Um, and all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So the flesh is prone to weaknesses, vulnerabilities. That's what makes it so easy for the devil to push us into a panic or push us into uh, intimidate us into doing sin because he just deprives us of something that we need, like food or water or meaning or purpose or love or attention. He just deprives us, and then when you get into that place of being deprived, you're willing to do almost anything to get that pain, that emptiness taken care of. And that's why the flesh gets a bad rap, you know, because we're not bad but we're vulnerable. Just because your child is vulnerable and weak and little doesn't mean they're bad. It really means that you take all the more care of them. And finally, the third, the, the generational sins, the devil. The devil comes down through the generational bloodlines and he brings the patterns of sin and destruction through the lies and the agreements that were made three or four generations back and he just keeps reusing those again and again. The only thing is each generation has t- double as many demons as the one before because it takes two people to make a human being. And so you get your mother's set of demons and your father's set of demons, and that doubles the demons you have. And then when your child is born, they get all of your demons plus your spouse's demons, so they have a double set. So any, anyway, I don't see how the world can go on much longer without there being a big turnaround because of the double sets of demons. Um, but the thing is, when you're saved... And that's the first thing you do to help people deliver them. You deliver them through salvation. That the devil's whatever he's doing in your life after that is technically illegal. He is only legal as long as we're his property and we're only his property. 
when we're not owned by God. When you give your heart to Jesus, you're owned by God. Your ownership changes. Not necessarily all of the... To, to be owned by God, you can't be owned by the devil, but you can be owned by God and controlled by the devil or, or in some places possessed by the devil because um, possession and ownership and occupying don't all mean the same thing. Possess means, in English, you can own, occupy, or control. But God can own you, and the devil can still occupy parts of your soul, your mind, your heart, your, your um, the programming of the soul. And through that occupation, he can control you. Obviously, we see this all the time. We see Christians, people who love God, who are still, in some ways, struggling with you know sinful habits or controlled by the fears or the lusts of the flesh or whatever they're doing, but you know they're, they're, they're love, they love God. So the only way that's explained is, well, you can't say, well, God's moving in and out, moving in and out. When they sin, he moves out. When he moves, when they repent, he moves back in. They're owned by God. That They're controlled by this world, and that's what the battle is all about. Who is going to, who are you going to listen to? Who are you going to, Jesus' job once you're saved is to come in and sanctify or cleanse the house, but that is his job not yours, not mine. So when we're looking at this from specific uh, scriptural principles of foundations um, to know who you are in Christ Jesus, to know what God has called you to do and to be comforted, God's work in you will bring forth rest and peace, abiding truth, abundance, thankfulness, gratitude, the works and fruits of the Holy Spirit. If you're working and mixing and mingling this with the devil's solutions to to righteousness, you're going to be religious, rigid, uptight, judgmental, self-righteous, unhappy, and not a good example of Jesus Christ. I'm sure you know people like that. So let's just recap this a minute, just for a second, that this is a conspiracy. That's the biblical view of history. There is a war going on between God and Satan for the souls of men. That war is mostly going on. Yes, it's external, but the internal war is by far the most intense and un, um, unobserved. Uh, we don't look at it. We don't notice it because we think that every thought we think are our own thoughts. What we feeling we have is my feeling. No, no, no. Most of what, and, and you know, when you're fighting with one another, you're probably hearing that other person's demon and you're probably responding with your demon. So, be aware that you just ask yourself, well, would the Holy Spirit do that? Would he have said that? If the Holy Spirit wouldn't say it, you won't want to be saying it. That's how the war goes. And we can talk some more about this next week. We're going to be starting up. If you want to capture that, uh, what I just said, you can read up to page six in Setting Captives Free. Uh, you can purchase it online or um, give us a call. I guess we have it at our, our little shop, our little um, office in town. I do counseling. And on Saturday, just FYI for those of you who are in the area, we're doing a counseling workshop for troubled children. Troubled children, and we're inviting not the children, unless they're old enough, like maybe 14, 15, 17, something like that. But we're inviting the parents, the teachers, the grandparents, um, the caregivers of these children. And we're going to look at specifically the lies that these kids are believing and what it's prompting them to do and what would be some of the solutions, both spiritual and maybe even some of the technically physical um, solutions. So uh, it's free. It's at the Rogers um, uh, Holiday Inn in Rogers, Minnesota. Uh, you can go to our website and right on the front page, I believe you can just sign up, register. Um, we are asking you to register because the seating is limited. However, I do believe there's still some, some spaces available. 
and it is from 9 to 3. You're not mandated to stay. Um, You're welcome to stay. Um, But we hope that you will come and bring a little notebook and do some some writing things seriously because your, your children are, I mean, Let's be stirred up. Let's not go into apathy. Let's not go into that blind stupor of it does. it's too big, too much, too late. Let's believe that God is able to do all things, and he wants to do and use us to do those things. So that's what we're going to be doing, um, and I'm going to just run one more commercial, give you another chance to think about calling me, and then we'll uh, wrap it up. Uh, let's see. Uh, what was I going to say? Uh, well, uh, where were we here? So often we find it hard to keep our thoughts focused amid the frenzied pace of our multitasking, multimedia world. So many distractions. Should I empty my mind or should I fill it? And brain fog moves in again and we feel blanked out, blocked out, and scattered every which way. It's a tough way to live. Attention deficit, autism, and Alzheimer's have become epidemic in our modern society. It's an all-out war the enemy is waging for our hearts and minds. Where's the help? Where's the hope? Why Can't I Concentrate is Marjorie Cole's dynamic CD that shows just how the enemy is working to shut down our minds and, most importantly, how we can be free. To place your order for Why Can't I Concentrate, go to liferecovery.com. Again, that's liferecovery.com. Yeah, and why can't I concentrate is probably one of the biggest, most subtle, most frustrating, most unattacked of all the strongholds, with the lack of ability to focus and follow through and to stay on task in your own mind, or have you seen others doing that as well? That will be one of the topics we'll be covering at the conference um, on Saturday. If you have any questions, call us or just register and show up. Love to see you. Have a good night, and God bless you. We'll talk to you again soon about setting captives free. I have an emergency. What is your location? for yourself.